Welcome back to the Vaccine Conversation. It's uh, good to have you uh, joining us this afternoon or this morning or tonight or whatever. It's good to have you pronouncing the podcast correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is take two. This is take two. Dr. Bob uh, introduced you all to the the Vaccine Podcast. (laughs) But this is actually called the Vaccine Conversation, though, though it really is a podcast about vaccines. It's all just in the details, isn't it? Yep, yep. Well, today we're talking about the flu, it being flu season and all. We kind of felt an obligation to not just do one podcast on the flu, but two. Wait, doesn't flu season seem to begin earlier and earlier every year? I feel like this is, I mean, before it used to be November, December. Now it's like all the end of September, they're already starting to warn. Yeah, today's, this year's flu shots came out early. They Mm -hmm. came out in like, I don't know, if it was August or September I mean, some years we've waited till until November. They came out late, but yeah. I feel yeah. like that was in direct response to our more numerous uh, flu season of last oh, year yeah, yeah, and yeah. how more people are, quote unquote, yeah. afraid of that again. And so yeah. it's a little easier maybe to put yeah. the flu vaccines out earlier because people are going, oh my gosh, last year was pretty bad. So I'll yeah. go ahead and get that now. Well, last year's peak, it, it peaked in like February and March, I'm pretty sure. Is that either January and February or February and March? We rarely see it hit really hard in, in October and November. Oh, so yeah. don't panic. Don't panic. I mean, it's out there. <laughs> no, but, uh, if if, if but, you listen um, to the media, do panic. Okay, yes. You yes, are supposed to yes. panic. They have paid millions of dollars to make sure you do exactly what you just told everybody not to, which is to panic. Yes. Because panic incites action. And yep. when you feel afraid, you take steps to feel more secure. And according to the media, the only thing you can do to feel better about the upcoming or super extra long flu season, because now they're going to say it goes all the way until April. Um, the only thing you can do to feel more secure is going to be what? Um, eat your fruits and vegetables. Yes, and get more rest. Exercise. Higher vitamin D levels. Yes, go outside a lot. Maybe some vitamin C in higher dosages. Right. If you feel like you're coming down with something. I mean, they make they make what? Probably 200,000, 200 million doses of vitamin C every year and they put it out every, you know, uh, every uh, fall. And it's very lucrative. Right. right, right. (laughs) No, but of course that we are being, we're joking here because the thing that they tell you to do is not what we just mentioned, which are all the things that boost your immune system to keep you healthier and not just sick with the flu, but not sick with all the other stuff going around like respiratory illness and other things that are going around. But no, what they tell you is the only answer to this predicament that we are in, which is flu season. Um, is to get a flu vaccine. That's it. That's what you. That's what you need to do. If you don't do that, you're going to be a fatality statistic, according to what you see on the news. Right? right? right. It's very. Right. It's very dim. Your your um your future looks very dim if you do not get your flu vaccine. Exactly. And and how dim does it look? Well, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Tell the, us, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, let's let's. I guess we we like to have fun. We're trying to make a really boring topic more fun, so we're going to laugh sometimes. Uh, but I, I know when we're talking about disease fatality, I mean that that is it's every single one of those is tragic. So we don't we don't mean to make light of that. I think we're just trying to again make this a more interesting, uh, more interesting conversation for you. Um, the last year, the CDC estimates there were eighty thousand deaths from the flu. Last year was a really bad season, and, uh, and well, eighty thousand Americans. That. This was right. just reported from an interview with the Associated Press right. that the representative 
said that yes, this is the es- the blind estimation of how many there right. were. Was eighty thousand deaths, and now what the CDC usually Which is huge. says huge, it's, though it's, that's it's a huge, huge yeah, number. Eighty thousand people dying of 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 uh, any infectious of disease, yeah. you know, in in America would should really raise your eyebrows. Uh, now what now? But let's talk about CDC estimates because I think it's important to understand how those how those are gathered and how they make those judgments and. What you usually hear, the most common statistic is 36,000 Americans die every year of the flu. They've said that every single year, 36,000, 36,000. And you would assume that that means that the CDC basically looked at all the death certificates, you know, nationwide of everyone who died in in the country. And they find that 36,000 people have flu written on their death certificate as, as the cause of death. And that's actually not at all the case. That that is not how the CDC comes up with these numbers. Um, there is a there is a, an organization that does uh, investigate death certificates and looks at looks at cause of death as the reason why you you died from something. And it, it's called the National Center for Health Statistics. And and they they look at all they they look at all kinds of causes of death. Their data show that only between 1,000 and 1,500 people in America die every year of the flu. Between 1,000 and 1,500 have flu on, on, uh, as their cause of death, as their, as their main cause of death. What the CDC does, though, is they – and they, they describe this on their website. You can go to their website and look at how they, they, they come up with these numbers. They use a lot of fancy math. They use a lot of estimates. And then they actually look at – Everyone who dies of the flu and of pneumonia, both flu and pneumonia, they take those two statistics and put them together. And then they, they put all these mathematical models together to try to decide how many of those people who died from, from pneumonia really died of the flu. And then they, and they come up with this 36,000 Americans every year. And then last year they come up with 80,000. But I guess, you, again, you have to realize that um, – that, that where that number comes from, it's not a solid number. The only solid number we really have, based on real data, is a, a thousand. Usually, a, a thousand deaths every year. And um, uh, if I could break that down briefly, you'll, you'll see you'll see basically the uh, the media headlines: thirty six thousand Americans die every year, most of them infants and the elderly. Right. So if you hear thirty six thousand people died, and most of them were infants, right, and the elderly, you're going to think. Tens, of, you know, tens of thousands of babies died of the flu, and and tens of thousands of elderly died. And this is super risky. Right, and this it's is, really I've got to go get my baby vaccinated, which is encouraged according to the CDC schedule at six months, right. and then again a second dose at seven months right. to create enough a boost of an immunity. Let's say right. to create an antibody response. So right. a typical child that is following the CDC schedule is going to be advised by their pediatrician uh, to get to get their six-month-old baby vaccinated with the flu vaccine at six months and, again, at seven months. Right, or, or, or nine and ten months mm-hmm. if it's your first flu season. Or if it's your first flu season and you're, you're 15 months old because when you were back when you were three months, you were too young to get the flu shot, um, you'll get two doses that very first flu season that your baby encounters six months and older, but every year after that. Every year moving forward, but but uh, uh, some of the some more of the numbers is it's not tens of thousands of babies dying of the flu every year. Uh, again, every every death is tragic, but uh, when you actually look at actual solid data and how many babies do pass away of the flu, we have about twenty infants die of the flu every year in our country. We have about twenty toddlers. We have about twenty elementary age kids. 
We have about 20 teenagers and we have about 20 young adults. Kind of each, each of those age groups, there's about 20 tragic fatalities from the flu. And there's roughly about 1,000, sometimes about 1,300 elderly who die of the flu every year. And again, those are the real numbers. That, that's the best data that anyone's ever been able to come up with from the National Center for Health Statistics. And I guess I just want to... Well, so in this article, too, it says, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking for my other, um, I had all my mortality statistics stuff out. Okay. That out. <laughs> don't, don't you hate it when there's a, a table Ow. leg right in front of um, your... I, uh... Yeah, I have like my entire packet that I went through, and somehow that's still on my... Uh, desk where I was reviewing it. So sorry. So you see, all, all my data are just like up here. Yeah. You know, well, the, I was looking specifically at, at graphs, but right. we'll, we'll right. maybe get to that and give you the gist. But um, in this article, it says that last flu season, according to, because because they do surveillance for pediatric deaths, like right. you're saying, they right. don't do surveillance for adults for that reason, like you mentioned. So it's really hard to estimate. So there were 183 children that died. Um, which again is is awful, but usually a hundred or so. Yeah, so one hundred eighty three, and this was a really strong season, a super strong season. A lot more people were sick mm-hmm. than usual, um, and one hundred and eighty three deaths. If you, if they say most are in children and elderly, you would assume that maybe children are thirty to forty percent, and elderly are sixty yeah, to seventy percent. Right. So with this eighty thousand estimate then we're looking at a lot more children that would have been confirmed with a death. So if you want to maybe um, um, hypothesize, let's say, 183 children being a 30% rate, then we're looking at um, you know, maybe 610, I, I put this here, about 610 adults that might be might have died, which you put those those two together and you're still under a thousand, which is very different than eighty thousand. Right, exactly. And it's important that people understand that yes, this is an estimate, and even the thirty-six thousand is an estimate that's inaccurate every other year. But why do you think they would put an estimate out that is so inaccurate and so grossly overstated? What do you think we we know, but what's the reason behind that? Right. It's it's um uh, well, actually, that is uh, that's part two of our podcast, right? I mean, and, it, and it, it, give them a teaser. Right. I mean, it, this it, is it's, what's it's, behind it's, it. It's the media, the media fear. Um, the you know the, and we'll actually talk about how the the organizations who who make the flu vaccine and how they they do work the center with uh, the centers for disease control to 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 promote the flu vaccine and to, to spread the, the fear about the flu so that everyone will line up for their flu shots like 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 good little people. And because if, if you tell people, you know, how 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 really how really not say not how do you say undangerous. I mean how how mild the flu really is for most mm-hmm. people. Benign. And what the danger really is, how it's a benign illness for most people. Mm-hmm. For healthy individuals, right, right. yeah. Fewer people are going to line up for their, for their flu shots. Again, I mean, 180, 180 is a far cry from um, 30,000. If you were assuming that 30,000 of the 80,000 were children, 30,000 sounds like a lot because it is a lot. But right. 180 mm-hmm. for a very strong season, when the average, like you're saying, is about 100, is not a huge increase. And the article goes on to say, um, we, what is, okay, it says, what this is is a clear message about the importance of vaccination. They're saying all these deaths, what this tells you is it's super important to get vaccinated. And then she says, the vaccine is safe. Blatant statement. Right. This is um, 
Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, CBS News medical contributor, Dr. Tara uh, Nurula, Nurula, says this vaccine is safe. It is the most effective tool we have, and we know it's not that effective, right? And she said um, uh, that what they continue to say in here is it's even if the vaccine isn't working that well, it's still important you go get vaccinated. Right. And I find that sentence to be so interesting. When I hear somebody tell me this is totally not working, but go get your vaccine. Right. It's important that you do it. We want to make sure you understand getting vaccinated is the most important thing you can do. It's like, why right. would you do that and, with and, something and, that doesn't work? And if it, if it was 100% harmless, maybe that wouldn't be a bad yeah, idea. Yeah, but that's, but that's where you have to weigh the, the risk versus the benefit. And I, I want to throw out real quick, don't just take my word for it on this, on this, you know, uh, the statistic from the National Center for Health Statistics about that only about 1,000 people truly die from the flu every year. I just want to refer you to the, 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 Cochrane, uh, the Cochrane group. It's the Cochrane community. They have a community blog. They have a, they're a, a, a consortium of scientists all over the, all over the world. They're called the Cochrane Database of, of Systematic Reviews. Um, but they actually have a blog, and, and if you, you, can, you can Google search it. It's, it's called Why Have Three Long-Running Cochrane Reviews on Influenza Vaccines Been Stabilized? And, and towards the end of our article, they actually confirm. And I just want to read this because they, they put it better than me. I probably should have read this theirs instead of saying it myself. They say, towards the end, the standard quoted figure of 36,000 yearly, yearly deaths in the U.S. is based on the respiratory and circular, circulatory deaths category, including all types of pneumonia, including secondary to uh, meconium ingestion or bacterial causes. A lot of that is in newborns, uh, bacterial pneumonias. Um, they actually say when actual death certificates are tallied, influenza deaths on average are little more than 1,000 yearly. And that's from an organization like like the, the Cochrane uh, group. Uh, they, I mean, they're... There's some controversy in the Cochrane Group lately, but but they've for many decades they've been very objective. They're outside financial influences uh, for the most part. They're they're not funded by pharma as an independent, right? Yeah. They're they're very mm-hmm. independent. They, and 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 that's their that's the number they come up with uh, as well, well as also, myself. Well, also Dr. Brownstein, I don't know if you're familiar with him on his holistic medicine blog. Uh, he also talks about this 80,000. Um, he says more fake news from the CDC. And he says that because in 2001, the CDC reported 62,000 deaths from influenza and pneumonia. And that was in 2001. And the actual number was 257. So 257 <laughs> flu deaths. And the estimate was 62,000. Right. So you can, if you had to kind of use those and correlate them to this year, you know, we're, we're under a thousand at death for a super strong season, which means people are fighting this off better than they think. Um, right. This is not catching, you know, one in five people on your street and you're, you're a goner right. if you, if you right. happen to catch this. Right. Um, and yeah, and in fact, we're going to, we're going to talk more data from, from the Cochrane group about what the actual scientifically studied effectiveness of the vaccine. Right. And we're going to get to that. And there are some conflicts of interest, which we'll also talk about too, because that's part of, they say the CDC holds the patent for several flu vaccines. Yeah. And so saying that you encouraging uh, to get somebody, I think, I think, so I would say the flu vaccine is probably the one that has the most 
public doubt, wouldn't you say? Like oh, yeah, most right, people right, right. think to themselves, eh, if I'm going to opt out of something, I'll opt out of this one because it doesn't work that well. I know a lot of people get sick. I've heard of a lot of severe reactions. Uh, this is the one I'd say that has the least amount of public confidence right. um, with HPV right. coming right. second, I'd say. So, so that, that's part part why there, there's such a push. Exactly. Because if you, if you think about this, there are about 350 million Americans in our country, um, 350 million they actually make they make about 150 million flu flu doses. I, I think sometimes they they even try to make 200 million. They're trying to make a flu dose for every single American almost, right? Because actually, every single American is supposed to get a flu shot. It's how it's actually now indicated for every single person, right. unless you're less than six months of age. So if every and this single is for the healthy people, right, 2020, right? right? If, if every single uh, uh, of those 350 American if, Americans, if they're all vying for those 200, you know, 200 million doses, did I say million? Yeah, 200 million doses. Think of it. Vaccine companies make 200 million doses every year. They only have nine months to sell them. Mm-hmm. And, and everything they don't sell, they have to throw out. It's very different than most other vaccines. If you're making MMR vaccine, you know you're going to need about uh, 4 million of those doses every year because that's how many children are born. You, all, you know exactly how many to make. Uh, and almost everyone gets them. Almost everyone gets every, you know, all the, the childhood vaccines. But because a lot of people don't get the flu shots and they, they put so many billions of dollars into making them, the, the clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's, that's why the unique push on this one vaccine is advertised more than any other vaccine oh because because if they can't sell, if they have to throw away 50 million of those doses at the end of the year, you know, and then they, they lose making about $10, about $10 a dose, that's uh, $500 million that they're pouring down the drain as toxic waste, if it has mercury in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and they don't want to be left holding as much. And that's why they incorporate the whole medical machine to sell the flu shot, whereas you don't see that kind of push with with most other shots. And I, and I will say so in this in this article that talked about the 80,000 uh it says um that there are a lot of parents that have misconceptions about oh. the safety and the importance of vaccines. And so whatever survey they're citing here says um and I feel like this is all I'm prefacing this by saying this is all in an effort to paint parents who question things as uneducated and illogical. So they said um of parents feel flu vaccines are a conspiracy. That was actually like the reason. They're just, just the shot, the vaccine is a conspiracy. And then the other thing was 28% believe flu vaccines can cause autism. Just the flu vaccine is going to instantly, you know, and, um, and then more than half think their child's going to actually get full on influenza from the flu shot. And right down below that, the doctor weighs in. None of these things are true, she says. It's important that we deal with science and the facts. As in all of the above, the things that people question, all of the parents who question, all of the people who say maybe this isn't the best thing, you're not listening to science, you're not listening to facts, and you are basically ridiculous. Like in the end of it, you are ridiculous. And it says the CDC recommends everyone over six months gets vaccinated every single year. Um, it's a, and she says it's a no-brainer for parents. It's a no-brainer. Just get the <laughs> flu vaccine, right? right? Even though we know it is not a, that effective, and, and you said we'll talk about that, even though we know it is not that safe for some people um, and it's not working, um, but get it anyway. 
And because people don't really have that confidence, they are forced to advertise this, like right. you said, and, right. and we'll talk about that. Right. Um, do you want to? Do you want to just briefly mention? You mentioned uh, mercury. Do you want to just briefly yeah. talk about the difference between thimerosal free and the original version, and why there's mercury in the standard version? Right. Right. So they. So they. Put, people say there's right. no more mercury right. in vaccines. Right. So and... they they had mercury in about half of our childhood vaccines in the 80s and 90s, and they they took it out of of most of the vaccines by 2002, except the flu shots. They 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 uh, they kept putting mercury as a preservative in the flu shots, and they still do today. Um, about half of the shots they make now have mercury, and about half of them are mercury free, or thimerosal is the term they mm-hmm. use because sounds safer than mercury. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the large ten dose bottles that that are less expensive to buy, less less expensive to use. Multi vial, yeah, multi uh-huh. multi dose vials. Those are the ones that have mercury. The ones that come in, in individually packaged uh, syringes or vials where only one person is getting a dose right. out of that. That's that the, are more that's expensive. The mer- they're more expensive. A, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Those are the mercury-free ones. So I, I think even though we're not saying whether you should or you know, should or shouldn't get a flu shot, I think one thing we can advocate for is if you're going to get a flu shot, make sure you're getting one without because ex- mercury. Explain in a multi-vial dose, uh, multi-dose vial, um, explain how levels of, of mercury, the thimerosal, can settle right, at right. the bottom. And so if you're one of those last doses, you could be getting a much higher level than what's estimated to be safe. And um, that can cause, you know, obviously serious problems and is, right. is dangerous. Right. Um, and that, that's a risk you take every single time you would have a flu vaccine that is not individually given, which is thimerosal free. Right. right. Um, uh, can, I, can I touch a little bit on, I mean, just a, a very brief history lesson, because I, I find it kind of fascinating. I have to take my glasses off, sorry, um, to read this. Um, they actually, can't see you. This is no, not I a don't. video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was explaining to Melissa. Which I'm gonna, so glad about, gonna, by the way. <laughs> I'm so glad this is not video. Uh, uh, okay, I'm going to put my feet up on this chair now and relax while I read this. Because we're just hanging lesson. out with you guys um, in your living room or okay, car or whatever. So, <laughs> we're just talking about this. So basically, uh, this, this comes from a British medical journal piece from 2013. And the flu shot came out in the 1960s. It was only for adults over 65. And then in, in 84, they added healthcare workers. In 87, they added household contacts of high risk groups. But wait, for healthcare workers, it wasn't mandatory. It Not was mandatory, advised. just suggested. Uh-huh, right, right. Uh-huh. In 2000, they added all adults over 50. All right. And they added pregnant women in the second and third trimester. The pregnant woman recommendation came in the year 2000. And we're going to do another episode completely on pregnancy and vaccines. Exactly, right. And then in 2004, now, uh, so it's it's scary that pregnant woman uh, recommendation came while there was still mercury. This is the year 2000. This is before they had thimerosal free. Right. Then, Then 2004, they added children, six to 23 months. And they added household contacts of children. And this is still before thimerosal free. No, now they're making thimerosal free versions, but they're not. But not not, everybody's not getting them. I mean, would people even know? I know people right now that go to get their flu vaccine. They don't even know there's a thimerosal free. They just go and say, "I want a flu vaccine." I'm I'm talking history now. We already talked about mercury, right? Right, but but I'm saying like for people for people to not even understand. So at the time that when they started offering them, it's not like people might have even been getting them because they didn't even know they were offered. This is not something that has been made public knowledge like at that time. Right. 
Right, and we're going to talk about all kinds of interesting stuff with California law and mercury and vaccines. Um, so in 2006, they added um, older children. So it came infants first in 2004, then 2006, older children are added to the flu vaccine schedule and their household contacts. 2008, they added children up to 18 years, started recommending it for all kids. And then in 2010, they added basically everyone, every single person on the planet, six months and older, that flu recommendation uh, came on in 2010. And so I just thought, I just kind of found it interesting how they, they expanded the, the population base. Um, Slow, slowly. With, right, like slowly. Each, yeah. slowly and, and so they start with the elderly. With, right, without having the data to show that, that, it, that it's working very well, that it's protecting these populations. Or it's necessary. Or that it's safe. Or that it's safe. Well, so they start with the elderly, and then they go to the kids, and, and they work to the kids on the way up in age groups. And what I find so interesting about that is it seems a little easier to sell the narrative of needing the flu vaccine to your children because you don't want your children to die, right? When, when the fear is pushing, your children are at risk of dying. Most parents who they themselves might not get the vaccine might get it for their child because of the fear that this is a child. I have to protect and save this child. And this is, again, a perceived notion of fear that doesn't actually, it was not translating into numbers of actual deaths. Um, but it seems mm-hmm. a lot easier to sell people just like this, 277. To sell people on the idea of mandating children's vaccines is a lot easier than to create legislation to mandate adult vaccines. And most people would say, oh, no, I would not be comfortable being forced to get X number of doses to work. Um, But they're okay with them being mandated for school. Right. right? So it seems like the direction that they went, they started with the elderly because that was obvious. Then they go with children, they work their way up and they work their way up to eventually get to adults. Adults seem to be the last group of people that would feel comfortable um, Mm -hmm. being forced or mandated to um, to get the flu vaccine. So that your your historical uh, perspective on it actually verifies what I'm saying. You start with kids first and, and we know that. Mandatory adult vaccinations are in the works for 2020, right? That is the goal, the healthy people, healthy persons, healthy people, 2020. Um, The idea is to have all adults up to date, which would mean a lot of vaccines for every single adult, including the flu vaccine. Um, And I think most people would not be comfortable with that. Most people would not be okay with. um, And right now it's about 45%, I think, of the population that gets the flu vaccine. Compared to like eight percent, by the way, in the the nineteen eighty nine, um, and and I, I wish I had all my stuff. We might have to cover this again in another thing. But it was you know like eight percent of people were getting the flu vaccine in nineteen eighty nine, and it's wow. jumped up to forty five percent, which is right? so significant right? because when you're talking about money, and you're, it was twenty three million doses back then, and now it's one hundred and fifty doses, one hundred fifty million doses, right, right. and talk about people don't realize what that translates to financially. That is a huge, huge number. We're right. talking about hundreds right. and millions of dollars. Right. Um, and so there is incentive there for oh, yeah. there to be a push that's not necessarily based on keeping you safe right. or keeping your child safe. Right. There might be more to it. Yeah. So let me uh, let me go back, uh, go into some more uh, boring medical research. Um, again, I really, to, in my opinion, the best flu data come from the the Cochrane database of systematic reviews and. This is actually from February 2018. This is from this year. It's called Mm -hmm. Vaccines for Preventing Influenza in the Elderly. 
And it was, um, let's see, where, I don't know, where was it published? Oh, it's published in the, the Cochrane Library of the Database of Systematic Reviews. So if you if you Google search that, you can find this. Uh, it's, it's very fascinating. And Cochrane makes the point that um, uh, there, there are very, very few studies that actually systematically and properly test how well the flu vaccine works. Most of the studies are just just like uh, observational studies, uh, retrospective, where they look in the past to see how well it works. Very few are what's called um, randomized controlled trials. And that's really the, the gold standard of, of determining how something works, called a randomized controlled trial. Um, and so what they came up with, they did three articles. One is how well does it work in the elderly? How well does it work in healthy adults? And how well does it work in, in children? And so I just want to give you the numbers. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. Uh, Unless you do want to take no, a nap, no, tell us, Melissa. Tell us, tell us. Um, so basically, conclusions. Older adults receiving the influenza vaccine may have a lower risk of influenza. It changes your risk from catching it from about 6% to 3%. So if you don't get the vaccine, you have about a 6% chance of catching influenza. If you get the vaccine, you have about a 3% chance. But don't they make it seem like... A hundred percent of people I know. are like catching totally it. You work. either catch it and survive right. it or you catch it and die no, from you're it. Right, because that's a very interesting point. They found that those who did not uh, get the vaccine, 6% of them caught the flu. That means 94% of adults did not catch now, the I flu. I mean, I'm surprised by that right. number. Right. Even I, I have been made to to believe that like pretty much 70, 80% of the population is catching the flu at any given time. But really, right, 6%. right, yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're saying it take for older adults, yeah, for, for elder, the elderly, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, but they're even more risky. That they're more at risk, aren't they? More susceptible. They, technically? they, they are, they are. But uh, they say when they look at all the research, they say the available evidence relating to complications of the flu, mm-hmm. or or whether or not the flu shot prevents complications in the elderly. Um, those data are of poor quality. There's no clear guidance for for public health regarding the safety, efficacy, or effectiveness of influenza vaccines for people age 65 and older. So they're they're basically saying, yeah, the best data we have is show it's going to lower your risk from about 6% to 3%. Of catching it. Yeah, of catching it for the elderly. But we don't know if it's going to prevent complications. We we don't know if it's going to make you safer or healthier. We don't know enough about the safety of the vaccine. Right, I was going to say, because you might... Get the vaccine to prevent the flu, and it could cause something else from right, the vaccine right, itself. Right. So when you, when you look at the possible side effects of the flu, especially something called Guillain-Barré syndrome, which is a— You're talking a, about the a, flu or flu vaccine? Yeah, the flu vaccine. Uh-huh. Yeah. A risk of the flu vaccine called Guillain-Barré, which is a temporary paralysis. Uh, it, it is not rare. I've, I've talked to so many people, and you look at so many research articles that show Guillain-Barré yeah. after the flu. You have to decide if getting— Temporary paralysis from the flu vaccine or any of the other host of of, uh, of uh, side effects, including allergic reactions, severe allergic reactions. You have to decide if that risk is worth you taking your risk from six percent down to three percent with catching no the proof flu of, of preventing the complications right. of the flu if right. you were to right. get it. So that's the elderly. Let's let's go to the the healthy adults. Um, they come with similar numbers, basically. Um, uh, Getting the flu vaccine in a healthy adult reduced influenza from 2% to 1%. Only 2% right? of adults and, are and getting it? They say 2.3% to, to 1% was rounded off to 2 Um 
Yeah, yeah, it, it reduced your chance from two point three to one. No, okay, I'm sorry. But based on the data this. that of all the okay. studies that they based they, on they put their together. data, I just want to like confirm. Well, this. well, no, they're not doing the research. They right, are okay, looking at everybody's their... research that right. have actually yes. done randomized controlled yes. trials. Right, but out of all right. the body of work that right. they've seen that had to do with this, they are saying that only two percent of healthy adults would have a, have a risk of getting influenza every season. Right, right. Are you kidding right. me? Right. But, but if you think about it, I mean, you, you could probably admit that there are um, like asymptomatic yeah. adults or people that barely feel sick, people who have great nutrition, who exercise, they eat healthy, um, they, they, they're happy, you know, they're not stressed, they have great immune systems. They're catching the flu they probably barely feel it. And so it you're saying, be my so they wouldn't would be, be reporting this to have right, a, right, a body of data. Right, but still, right. 2% is teeny. Right. I mean, they really make it seem like, here comes the season, get ready. Yeah. The other thing you have to realize, and I think uh, the one reason why we all have the impression why the flu is so incredibly common is the vast majority of, of cases of the flu, in quotes, are actually not really the flu virus. It's called a influenza-like illness. It means you feel like you have the flu, you feel sick like you have the flu, you might go to the doctor um, thinking you have the flu, but when they actually test you, you don't test positive for the flu. You have a variety of other viruses that, uh, that mimic the flu. And then they actually did some research that showed about 85% of test samples when people went to doctors thinking they had the flu and they were tested for it. 85% of the, of the samples are negative for the flu. Only about 15% of people who go to the doctor thinking they have the flu actually do have the flu. So I think that's why the, the perception of that the flu is everywhere is one thing, but the reality in that the, the actual real numbers is actually uh, – pretty low when it comes to the specific flu virus. I don't know. So I'm just reading the data. I'm just I know, but I mean, that's it, it, really it interesting. Low, but another way to look at it is, is even if it is low, mm-hmm. the benefit of the, of the vaccine takes you from 2% of the people catching the flu down to 1% of the people catching the flu. All right. But you could, uh, what you could say is half. That right, like, half. seems right, like it right. might be right. uh, significant, but when you're talking at 2%, 1%, those are teeny, teeny yeah, numbers. Yeah. But I bet if you wanted to portray this a certain way, you could take that study and say you are twice as likely to get the flu right, right. if you don't have the vaccine because right. of 1% to 2%. But they, oh, I, I didn't finish reading it. <laughs> that was just the first number. Uh, so they, they looked at, at hospitalizations and they looked at days off work. The vaccine actually did not help. The vaccine did not lower your risk as a healthy adult of being hospitalized, and it did not lower your risk of missing work. And, that, and that I've seen that a lot. Like, there's a huge right. uh, group of right. people that say, oh, the importance of a vaccine is going to be to save money for companies. And people lost days of work and lost um, days of having your child having to stay home, so you have to miss work to take care of them. You do see that come out, the financial Right, burden, right, right. if you will, but, of having yeah, the flu. Yeah, but when you look at the, the randomized yeah. controlled trials, the real good research studies, they, they don't find that benefit. Then now this is, again, in the healthy adult category. They, they did a study on, on pregnant women, and I'll just touch on this briefly. Um, they only found one study that was valid in pregnant women, one randomized controlled trial. All the other trials on pregnant women were just observational studies or studies done after the fact. They didn't randomly put people into a, into a controlled trial. 
they found that pregnant women, it, it reduced your chance of catching the flu by about 50%. And if you were a pregnant woman, you got the shot, it reduced your, your newborn's chance of getting the flu by about 50%. All right. Um, and what was the percent overall that the, that they were catching? They, they, they don't show they, Yeah. They, they, they don't actually have those numbers here. Um, so uh, they, I mean, they, they, but they, they do say later on when they look at the pregnancy numbers and the newborn numbers, the benefits seen in pregnant and newborn babies um, was smaller than the benefits seen in general healthy adults. Those percentage uh, reductions from the flu shot were actually smaller reductions than, than what adults really get. Um, I mean, if, if you're a scientist, I mean, you probably love, you probably like reading all the Cochrane stuff. You can read these again, vaccines for preventing influenza in the elderly vaccines for preventing influenza in healthy adults, February, 2018, the Cochrane database of systematic reviews. Um, just throwing these numbers and let me just find, end here with the, the children. Here's where you see more numbers of flu in kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, they say, um, uh, the flu shot, um, reduced the, the chance of catching the flu in children from 30% if you're not vaccinated down to 10% if you were vaccinated. All right. Um, so if you were a vaccinated child, yeah, you, you had about a 10% chance of catching the flu. If you're not vaccinated, you had a 30% chance. Th those, those are the numbers they come up when they look at all the, 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 the well done trials. Um, uh, for children, um, but that's kids just from two to sixteen. Mm -hmm. There were very there were uh, very few randomized controlled trials in children under age two. They couldn't find any data that showed any benefit in kids under two, and that's where the first recommendation came yeah. from. They first recommended kids six months to two years with no data on how well it worked, and then they added the older kids later. Uh, um, I just think numbers are so interesting because if right. you take the 6% to 3% for the elderly, like I said before, you can have people saying um, you are twice as likely to catch the flu if you don't vaccinate. And that sounds right. like a big number, but you don't realize it's 3% to 6%, right, but it's, right. it sounds a lot bigger. And if you look at healthy people, you could say twice um, you're twice as, well. as likely, right. even though it's 1% to 2%, right. which is teeny. Right. And then for... Um, for infants, you would say, you know, it's over 65% more yeah. likely to, to catch it if you don't get the vaccine. So those, it's important people understand when you see quoted percentages and these big, huge estimations like 80,000 uh, deaths, a lot of this stuff is not based on actual numbers. And it is important to find actual data, which is something you can totally find yourself right. um, on the CDC website. Right. They have mortality statistics. Um well, and well, yeah, I mean, let, let me throw out a couple of things. I mean, in a nutshell, I, I think a lot of people say, don't get the flu shot. It doesn't work. You know, it, it's worthless. It doesn't do anything. My thought is when I look at all these data is that it, it very well might actually reduce your risk of, of catching the flu and feeling sick from it. I, I, th I think it might. I think it's it's hard to. To argue that there are there's no research that that shows it does you know it doesn't do anything it's 100 percent worthless I don't think you can really support that I think a lot of people probably have that impression is worthless but when you compare it to vaccines that supposedly say are 95 percent effective or 98 percent effective even 80 percent effective the flu vaccine is so much lower than that mm -hmm. that you are you are you are 
very likely to catch the flu regardless of what you do. Um, the flu might lower your risk of catching it. Um, we do know the flu shot does not prevent the spread of disease from person to person. So getting a flu shot, whether, you know, if you get a flu shot that has no bearing on me, you know, you're not going to, you know, it's not going to stop you from catching the germs and having them get in your system and you, you know, spreading those germs to me, you're just not going to feel as sick. Which is those are asymptomatic right. carriers. Right, right. Um, people... uh, but, you, but it doesn't affect me. So mandatory flu pol- vaccine policies make no sense. All they do is, is, is they might help that individual feel less sick. They're still going to come to work. They're still going to spread the flu to, to other people because the shot doesn't stop you from spreading it. And, and um, so let me try to explain what it exactly it means when uh, you hear the flu vaccine is 20% effective. You know, at, at the highest it's ever been really is 60% effective. Sometimes it's as low as 10% effective. Um, but let's, let's, let's say, uh, say, for example, five people out of 100 people are going to catch the flu this year. Five out of 100. I'm just making up that number. You know, the, the elderly research we showed said about 6% of the elderly catch the flu. The adult research we, we showed, like healthy adults, showed about 2% will catch the flu, but let's just use five for an easy number. If you have a flu vaccine that's 20% effective in one year, that means instead of five people out of 100 catching the flu, four people out of 100 will catch the flu that year. That year. Um, if you have a flu vaccine that's 50% effective, or let's say 60%, the highest ever, 60% effective, that means only two people out of 100 will catch the flu instead of the usual five people out of 100. And these would be in all all in vaccinated people. So let's say let's say um, 100 people get the flu vaccine, and it's uh, I don't know it's a, a a high effectiveness year, 60 percent effective. That means um, out of those 100 people all getting vaccinated, uh, say the flu tries to infect five of those people. Um, Three of those people won't feel sick from the flu because the vaccine has been 60 percent effective in those five people. Two people will still feel sick from the flu, maybe go to the doctor, and three will not feel sick from the flu. Um, hopefully I'm, I'm making sense. It makes sense to me. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what, what those uh, effectiveness numbers mean kind of in, in real life. I think, the, I think the, the bottom line is the flu numbers are pretty low as far as how many people are seriously harmed, how many people are affected, how many people actually feel sick enough to see a doctor. And so for me it kind of comes down to – you, it's not going to be worthless to you. It might help a little bit, but you have to weigh the risks. You have to weigh the risk of side effects. You really should read the the, the package inserts, the risk of side effects. Look at all the, the, flu is the risk of, of the flu vaccine. For adults on the VAERS report, at least, it's the highest rated for vaccines, right. adverse right. adverse events. In fact, yeah, I forgot, I forgot we had that here. Uh, and that's where you talk about risk. And uh, sorry, I, I totally confused myself on all those numbers, but... When you get at at uh, the fact that about a thousand people seem to die of the flu every year, all right, uh, most of them elderly, a very small number of children, and 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 very few of them are, are are healthy adults. That's deaths from the flu every year. When you look at deaths from the flu vaccine that have been reported uh, over the last maybe about uh, 25, 30 years, there have been fifteen hundred deaths from the flu vaccine reported. There have been 12,000 people hospitalized for flu vaccine reactions, hospitalized. 
not just go to the ER, but, but hospitalized. And there have been 3,000 people disabled from the flu vaccine from a nerve injury. And but now, like, can that be permanent or is it always it can be, temporary? No, it can be permanent. Yeah, yeah it's it important be permanent. to note. So you look at 12,000 hospitalizations, 3,000 disabilities, 1,500 deaths from flu vaccine alone. Um, and then you look at yourself as a healthy child or a healthy adult, um, and your risk of dying from the flu is so tiny, so, so very small. You really have to understand those risks and weigh whether or not you think the flu vaccine is right for you that year. Um, given its low efficacy, 20 percent. Well, and these new studies are showing that you're um, reducing your having the flu vaccine one year makes you the next year when you get the flu vaccine, it work even less right. because you've had it multiple years. And right. then we can talk about that right. in another right. episode. But that's something to think about, too, is sometimes your immunity levels are not going to be as efficient on a subsequent year. According to new research, it shows that you actually reduce your chances. If you've had it multiple years in a row, you're actually reducing your chances, regardless of what the CDC says is the the rate of efficacy for that year. That's not going to apply to you because your body, after having one the year before, is going to reduce it. And that was an interesting study that came out recently, too. Yeah. So, boy, that really fried my brain. (laughs) Trying to go through all those those, those flu those, those flu studies, but well, there know, are a lot of numbers too, right. and I think it, it can be a lot to digest for somebody yeah. listening to this or somebody sitting next to you while you're doing this. <laughs> and um, Melissa's like nodding off. Uh, oh my gosh! It's just, so I I no I love reviews. you know I love data. I love information. Right. I like the fact that there is plenty of stuff to back up what we're talking about. Um, this is not. <laughs> this is not, uh, these are not just like, you know, it's not blind information. This is based on facts. I just think it's sort of hard to maybe um, put it into perspective. But summarizing basically what you said, one, I'm super surprised that the numbers, your likelihood of catching something, catching influenza is much lower, according to what this data suggests, much lower than I anticipated. I mean, 6% for the elderly. for healthy adults, and then 30% for children, um, much lower than than I thought. And then to show that it's reducing that risk by a small amount, it's not guaranteeing you protection. And then like we know, there definitely are issues with safety when it comes to the flu vaccine, the flu vaccine specifically. And and we know a lot of that has to do with uh, ingredients and which we're going to spend Probably, I'd say, two episodes on just ingredients because right, it's important to right. break down each of these things and and how risky or not risky each of these ingredients are because we hear about ingredients a lot. But um, we do know that the flu in the media is portrayed a certain way. And so we'll go into another yeah. episode on why it's portrayed that way, how advertising comes into it, who is behind the push, why is public confidence so low, and... Um, yeah, I'm gonna, and I'm going to have a snack and drink some coffee, see if I can boost my brain back up for part two. Well, part two doesn't have any numbers, so that's the good, yeah. that's the good news. I mean, and, numbers are good. Yeah, I just want yeah, people that are listening yeah. to, to heard all these different percentages and, yeah. and your special um, yeah. demonstration of 20% and 80%. <laughs> I, want, I just want people to should understand. Should we cut that out or should we just leave it in there just because it's Edit. so hilarious? <laughs> uh, I just want you guys to understand that the yes, numbers – are important. And if you need more information on this, we do have a flu video um, on immunityeducationgroup.com that you can check out. We have information there 
Oh, sorry, dot .org. Yeah. Um, isn't that .com, too? I think it's Oh, uh, we might have .com, too, yeah. Uh, right. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, we have a flu vaccine. It's like a, a little piece if you're a visual learner and just want to have kind of an overview. And I know this is, situation, uh, this question comes up a lot about whether or not to get the flu vaccine, or I heard my coworker talking about it, or just how dangerous is it? Does it even work? And so we're hoping to kind of, you know, address some of those some of those things that you've you've been wondering about and that you hear a lot about. And I just, again, want people to understand that the media representation about the risk of the flu and exactly how much the flu vaccine helps, uh, you know, is skewed. And and we know that it's not necessarily working that well. And we know that the risk is not as high as it's portrayed. The most important thing is staying healthy, having a strong immune system that does not necessarily mean the vaccine is going to, you know, like you said, People assume it's just worthless, but on the other side, people also assume this is like the oracle. This is like, if I just have this magical shot, it's going to keep me from getting anything and I'll be protected. And we know that's not always the case. A lot of people that do get the vaccine do get sick. We know the strains don't always match. And and it's just worth checking out both sides of it, like yeah, always. Right. right. Well, uh, tune into part two of the, the flu episode. and The flu debate. The flu debate. It's not the flu, because we're going to have another oh, yes. episode right. just about influenza, oh, okay. the disease, right. the vaccine, right. everything. Okay. This is more like the okay. social, political, and uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. news-worthy okay. topics as it relates to the flu right now. Okay. Well, we'll see you guys. In fact, we might see you like right now, because you might go and just listen to that episode you're so right now. so excited know, right? that you're like, okay. when can I get to, to okay. flu part well, two? Well, let's uh, listen to a bit of music first and then we'll uh, see you on on the flip side The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.